0: Welcome to On Publishing from the Binary Agency. This is Alex Field.
1: And this is Ingrid Beck. Every week we talk to professionals from the world of publishing. Our goal is to educate, inspire, encourage, and inform.
0: Let's get started. Welcome to this episode of the On Publishing Podcast. Today, we're going to do a bit of a, an On Publishing Q&A. Um, and uh, since we've, we've essentially completed season one of, of this podcast, we're going to talk through some sort of recaps. We're going to answer some of your questions. Uh, this will be the, the last episode that we record for the first season of On Publishing. Thank you for listening to this point. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, what you've heard and, and the interviews and the different personalities and people that we've, we've spoken to, to this point. Of course, we are recording this, uh, from our respective homes in the midst of this very unique time in our country and in the world. It's, it's, there's dire news all, all over the place and it's, it's a, a time to be, um, you know home and and locked down and with family, and certainly we 're dating this episode a little bit by talking about this, but it 's hard to avoid mm-hmm. um, but the good news is we are we are home, and I think you know um, there are positive things to slowing down uh, a little bit but uh, and as far as the publishing industry is concerned, from what i 've seen. Um, a lot of publishers, even though there are things changing here and there and people are trying to mitigate whatever economic um, fallout there might be, there are a lot of publishers. Most publishers I've spoken to in the last three to four weeks are, are trying to continue business as usual.
1: Right. And in spite of working you know, remotely and figuring out new ways to connect with their teams um, and their authors, yeah, we, we have seen... Um, publishers really moving forward with acquisitions and development. And in spite of some reports that publishing, you know, publishing dates or release dates are being changed for a few titles in general books that were scheduled to release during this time are still coming out. Um, So that's, I think causing some challenges for Mm -hmm. marketing sales teams and authors too. Um, But I think there's also some creative efforts to, um do promotion differently and and mm-hmm. for authors to really try to connect with their off their audiences in, in new and different ways. So it's it's I think encouraging to see the innovation happening and definitely I think lots of support for authors and the challenges of connecting with their readers in a virtual world.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've we've had several authors that we work with um have to transition from um live in-person book tours at bookstores mm-hmm. um to virtual book yeah. tours and events on on social media and things like that. And that's um I think that's going to continue for mm-hmm. the foreseeable future. We're recording this in early April of 2020, and so this will um we don't know how long this will last, but mm-hmm. uh but I do think it is it is forcing authors, publishers, agents like us to to be a little innovative, to think a little more creatively about how how we share about about books, and also it's it's hard too because um, you don't want to appear tone deaf to the moment, right? Like there's mm-hmm. there's something very serious and uh, and um, and dire going on. We don't want to we don't want to ignore that, but at the same time. You know, there are great books out there, some releasing in this window, which is so difficult. How mm-hmm. do people find out about them? How do we share about them in a way that's that's honest and sincere, but also, you know, thoughtful of the, the times we're in?
1: Right. Yeah. I think you've seen, you know, so many, you know, it, it's easy to look at the landscape right now and think, you know, the hits just keep coming, whether that's mm. to publishing as a whole or to, um, bookstores, um. Or to you know to authors, um, but uh, I do think it's important to try to focus on um, the hopeful things. Um, the bookstores that are you know doing kind of carry out orders. You know, if you yeah. a lot of local independent bookstores are trying to meet the needs of their um, customers and um, you know doing kind of taking books out, book orders out, and leaving them outside the store so that. People can pick them up and, um, and, you know, you can also order from bookshop, which is a website that actually mm-hmm. places orders from independent bookstores instead of um, as an alternative to Amazon. Um, and so, yeah, there are, there are really um, some bright spots. Uh, I was just watching just kind of discovered John Krasinski's um, YouTube channel, some <laughs> so good Funny. news, which is so fun. And uh, it really, I think he's, he's doing some good work there and trying to highlight the fact that um, in spite of what can seem like a really bleak world at the moment, there are people uh, extending their hands in kindness and there are people making huge sacrifices for all of us. So there's good news.
0: There absolutely is. And I think uh, that's that's something we definitely want to focus on and we want to support and be generous ourselves uh, in mm-hmm. this time. Um, and certainly none of us want these independent bookstores to go away or right. uh, certainly there will be hits for everyone. We're all going to feel it in some way. But um, uh, if you can get out there and support your local bookstore, please do. Um, uh, that's something I we have several here in the area that I, I, I would hate to lose Um or, or, or hate to see hit through this. And but I've, um,
1: Sorry to interrupt.
0: No, go ahead. You're good. <laughs> I was
1: just going to say, I think the other thing is to just, you know, interact with the authors you love um, on social media or, you know, wherever a lot of them are doing um, Insta stories or they're doing Facebook Live or they're doing other things to connect with their readers. So I, I think it's really important to connect with them wherever they are, wherever they're active.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, some, some of the authors out there, some of the authors we work with make their living entirely on, on their writing. And, uh, even though that's rare and it's hard, um, this is going to be a tough time for book sales, uh, for mm-hmm. some, o- however, that we are also seeing people reading more than ever in certain right. categories, which is, which is exciting too. So yeah, go support your, your favorite authors, those that you know, those that you, <clears throat> that you follow. And, uh, and we will do the same, um, one of the things uh, I thought we would do, uh, Ingrid, in this episode, before we get to some of the questions we've received about publishing, let's um, just look back at maybe some of the highlights uh, from the conversations sure. we've had to this point. Any Anything jump out to you? Any any people? And we, of course, we love all these people. We had great conversations with everyone, but who, yeah, who jumps we were, out?
1: Yeah, we were so um, kind of overwhelmed at the willingness of all of our guests to participate in this kind of uh, experiment uh, with on publishing. So um, thanks to all of you, if any of you are listening. Um, I think for me, um, a couple of the episodes that stood out were, uh, first of all, our, our conversation with Tony Weisskopf. That was episode one. I really enjoyed talking with her and she's a she works at Bain Books, which is a science fiction publisher, uh, which is not a genre I personally love. Um, but I just, I thought, uh, she had a lot of wisdom to share and um, I found out in our conversation, she was a huge Georgette Hire fan. So she was kind of an instant friend at that moment because um, I love Georgette Hire. Um, and then I also really, really found Courtney mom to be a, a really interesting person. And I loved learning from her about her writing process. Um, we talked with her and, um, I think it was episode eight. So um, yeah, we just we just really were able to talk to some wonderful people, and um, even I learned a lot. So.
0: Yeah. I, I enjoyed both of those conversations very much as well. And I think, you know, and again, all these, all these folks at some level are, are friends, people we we work with or, or uh, have worked with in the past. And so I, I enjoyed a lot of these conversations for a variety of reasons. Some of them just because they were good friends that we were talking to. I would say um, other than the two conversations you mentioned I would I would call out uh, the Jerry Jenkins episode was really special. We went to his house. Mm-hmm. We got to sit with him for a good uh, forty five minutes or an hour and talk through his storied career as a as a writer. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I just I, I'm always uh, struck by mm-hmm. someone who has a level of experience in a particular area. And I just enjoyed his stories. I enjoyed. Uh, how he's a how he's approached his writing career, and I think it's it's a conversation that can be helpful for for a lot of people. I also, you know, there's one conversation that that was a little I felt a little cut short, but we had further conversations with this person, Christine Edwards. She's a salesperson today for HarperCollins. When we recorded the interview, she was a salesperson, sales executive at Penguin Random House, and some of the stories she told me, even outside of the episode, that that we recorded um were are really really cool. It's great to hear um and 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 for those of you listening who may not have worked in publishing like the, when I was an editor and when I was a publisher the salesperson is either I mean they have to be your best friend if this is going to work. Like you have to be tight with them and understand what it is they need to do their job so that you can do yours the best you can. So I was really fascinated to hear some of her perspectives. Um, and I, and I think it's, uh, it's one we don't hear sort of publicly very often when, when there's mm-hmm. publishing talk going on. So I enjoyed talking with Christine.
1: Well, shall we get to some questions?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, before we do that real fast, um, if there are other things since we're, we're going to kind of sign off at when we're done with this episode for this season, if you have other questions or people you want to talk about other types of. Of um, conversations you'd like us to address, say, um, parts of the process maybe we didn't get to in these episodes to this point, let us know. We will be working on a season two at some point down the road. I uh, can't say exactly when that is since the world's a little uncertain right now, but send us comments at uh, our, our email, info at thebinderyagency.com. Uh, put the word podcast in your subject line and we'll try to address any of those other questions uh, or process pieces that you're curious about uh, in future seasons. So just wanted to say that otherwise, yeah, let's get to some Q and a.
1: All right. So let uh, what- Begin um, by talking about. We have a question from a listener. Uh, at what point do I need to get a literary agent, and what does a literary agent do for me? And why do I why do I need one? So
0: <laughs> we've never heard this one before, right? Never, never. <laughs> um, I, and this is, you know, this is a question that uh, that I hear in some form in a lot of different venues, and and when I sit down with somebody new to talk through a possible relationship. This, sometimes it starts this way, uh, why do I need an agent? Um, what do you do, and at what point do we get started um, and i think I think uh, agents I, I think of them in a few ways. agents are partners in the process for authors, and i 'll say this with a little trepidation. Uh, your publisher is is definitely your partner in the process, but you know they're beholden to their you know whoever owns the company or their corporate sort of bored or whatever they're beholden to that group first and then they're beholden to their authors second. And I think an agent, um, comes alongside and is really a partner for the author and is for them first. They, they help walk through the whole process with, with, uh, an author and, and some agents, you know, well, will be really good at certain parts of the process and, um, and, You know, maybe one agent in particular is really great at at the contractual side of this, locking down great contracts. Some are really good at selling uh, a book and getting a big, big advance for your book. Um, And others might be fantastic at marketing. Uh, I think an agent ultimately is is kind of there for the whole process and is a helpful guide and a steward for each part of the process um, I know for us that's what we try to be I know we bring in uh, a lot of editorial expertise uh, expertise having worked within a publishing company uh, multiple publishing companies and um, and I think I will say this. As a publisher, when an agent was involved, I had to be on my A-game. I had to make sure that the offers that we made were competitive. And I had to make sure that whenever we built a marketing plan or a publicity strategy, that that when the agent's on board, usually they know enough to be able to weigh in on those things. So I had to be on my A-game. I had to step it up a bit more. My offers were bigger. So an agent is there... um, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, Ingrid, but an agent's there to really kind of keep the publisher accountable in some ways, too. Uh, so there's a there's a very quick snapshot, but I'm sure you have you have thoughts as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the short answer is, no, you don't need a literary agent.
0: <laughs> However, um,
1: what an agent can do is to help you. I think, um, first of all, if you're a new author or an aspiring author, you haven't written or published a book yet. Um, you're probably gonna have a really hard time getting a publishing deal without an agent um, because agents do have connections in the publishing industry and they know a lot of editors, they know publishing teams um, and they're gonna be able to to pitch your project to the right people um, and ideally they're they're really the person who's going to be able to help you secure a really good deal. So I would also say they are partnering with you to actually, you know, even early on, if you're still f- kind of refining your book idea or writing mm-hmm. your manuscript, yep. many agents actually work with their authors to help there way before it's time to begin, you know, pitching a proposal to the publisher. So um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think Absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, one more thing that I think about in terms of the agent, the agent's job. Um, when I was, and both Ingrid and I have been uh, acquisitions editors where we, what that person essentially does is they're, they're going out there and they're combing through lots and lots of content, proposals and manuscripts and ideas and speakers they've heard at conferences and a variety of other things, depending on their category of publishing. But then once they get a project and an author they're excited about, then they have to sort of sell it to their internal team, their internal publishing team, their publisher, their sales team, their marketing team. And so I see the literary agent's job. Once we identify authors we want to work with and we start to work toward it and we go through the editorial process that Ingrid just described, um, which is super, super important. And sometimes that can take Years, um, if somebody needs a lot of help, um, but once we get there, I, I try to put myself in the mind of that editor and that publishing team. What is what are the hurdles to to signing this project? How can we remove those? How can we give them ideas for taking this book to market that will that will really help? And so I I try to see our role in the negotiation and the the pitching part of this process is really putting ourselves in the shoes of the publisher and giving them all the, the necessary ammo to, to take this book to market in a way that would be successful. Right. So, yeah. okay. Right, well, cool. we want to get to the next question then. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have here on my list is a question from a listener and here, here's how it goes. What is the difference between working with a traditional publisher and an indie publisher? Will it make any difference to how my books perform? Uh, Ingrid, any, any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think, um, there, there is a pretty broad spectrum when you're talking about both traditional publishers and indie publishers. Um, so in other words, um, there can be small and really huge traditional publishers and same with indie publishers. You can have, you know, a small operation and a bigger one. So, um, there are some differences, I, I, but I don't think that you can um, say unequivocally like your book is not going to sell very well if you go with an indie publisher versus a traditional publisher. Um, both indie and traditional publishers really still rely a lot on the author and the author platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, sales depends a lot. Um, on that. Um, and just, it's, it also depends a lot on luck. You know, you can have a couple of books that are equally as excellent and compelling. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of chance, uh, that one may really succeed wildly and the other doesn't maybe from a metric standpoint perform quite as well. So
0: Um, Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree more. I think you're hundred percent right. Um, You know, I I don't think I've seen massive, massive bestsellers come from, from all kinds of publishers. Um, Mm -hmm. There is no rhyme or reason. However, I do think it's sort of a game of creating the best environment in which you're, you know, for your book to succeed. So putting as many things around your book as possible to help it reach as many people as possible. And it's, I think to this day, you know, whenever I've seen a a phenomenal bestseller hit the, the lists, people try to explain how it happened what pushed it over the line. And nobody really knows. Like that's that's what seems mm-hmm. to be the bottom line. When, when And I've, we've been a part of some of these, Ingrid, and seen mm-hmm. how they've worked and tried to explain them and people try to take credit for them. And I, I think that's fine. But ultimately, I'm not sure that it's really possible to say this is exactly what tipped to make mm-hmm. this book a bestseller. So we try to create an environment with all these things happening all at once and Put a strategy in place to reach as many people as we can with this great book that we all believe in. But at the end of the day, we don't know what really tips it. So that's a bit of an aside to say, I don't think it matters if you're with an indie publisher or a traditional publisher. However, you know the bigger houses, um, those who are more established, definitely can put a few more of those things in that in that. Um, equation. They can, they can give you better distribution, faster replenishment. They can give you perhaps a bigger marketing or publicity campaign. Um, there are some creative best practices that the big publishers are really, really good at. And, uh, and that there's no denying that, but, um, there's some fantastic indie publishers out there who aren't affiliated with any big houses or big organizations. There are great university presses. There are great, um, uh, presses of all kinds, and so i I think to put any formula to it um is 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 probably not is not going to i don't think that stands up but the difference between the two is really a, a function of, of infrastructure and manpower and learning over time and best practices. And, and that doesn't mean that the indie publishers are out by any means. I think there's a lot of great innovation and a, a lot of great books are getting out through indie publishers that may not have been published at a major house. And so there's a lot of need, and a lot of need for indie houses.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes they have more freedom, you know, if they they aren't a huge organization they can sometimes um pivot in their marketing and promotion um more quickly um than another publisher with a huge team where there's a their hierarchy that has to have everything kind of checked through um also i think it really just comes down to you know who who does the author feel like is the best team Hmm. um that they want to work with where they feel like there's excitement about their book and there's passion um, because it doesn't matter how big the publisher is. If there's, if you're not sensing a lot of passion from your editor or for others on the team that you're talking to early in the process um, you're, you're probably going to be dissatisfied with um, how it goes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: um, because I mean, it just that, passion kind of diminishes anyway throughout the process because everybody's Mm -hmm. working hard. They're working on multiple other books at the same time. Um, and so you just really want to get that. And that's what we encouraged our authors. You know, it's really about finding that fit, um, with the publisher who gets you and they get your book and, um, you know, they, they are going to do the best they can for you.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, that is the X factor. It really doesn't come down to the size of the publisher. Although, you know, that's certainly a consideration. Um, It does come down to the passion of the people that you're going to work with, the the editor, the publisher, the marketing person, whoever it might be, that's going to be one of your key contacts. Um, I think we talk about that a lot. Sometimes that And and I I don't say that – I can't chalk this up 100%, but that X factor in pushing a book over into reaching more people is often down to that passion. If your editor has a significant amount of passion for the book you're writing or for working with you – I think they're going to work harder to, to reach mm-hmm. more people and to, it'll go that just that extra mile to do that additional thing that is required to, to get your book out there a little bit more. It doesn't always happen, but I've seen it become a real, um, a real win for authors. So. Yep.
1: Okay. Moving on. Uh, this next reader asks or listener asks, I am writing a children's book. What are the steps for hiring an illustrator? Um, can I answer this one?
0: (laughs) Yes, you can.
1: (laughs) Uh, so I would encourage most children's book authors. If you are hoping to get a deal with a mainstream traditional publisher, I would encourage you not to hire an illustrator, um, because many times your editor, um, Mm -hmm. Or the design team at that publisher will have connections with illustrators, and they will actually be a critical part of of pairing you with the right illustration um, team or illustrator. So yeah. that would be yeah. my advice.
0: I agree, hundred percent. I mean, this is uh, it's funny how oftentimes people want to want to come with a completed children's book uh, they want to have a proposal with a fully mm-hmm. designed fully illustrated book they're all set to go and and more often than not in in our experience anyway uh, the publisher wants to have input in that the publisher wants mm-hmm. to perhaps in in many ways guide the the tone of the illustrations I think illustrations are it's interesting to me how quickly they can go out of style or how mm-hmm. the tastes can change over a series of years. And, uh, you know, and and we've, Ingrid, you and I have been a part of projects where we've, you know, actually completely re-illustrated a a children's book because it needed a a refresh. So I think you're 100% right. Don't hire an illustrator unless you know somebody amazing who's a best-selling children's book author already or illustrator.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: Hang off on that.
1: But I would add it might be wise to incorporate into your proposal, either competitive books that you love um, the illustration style of those books or illustrators you know of um, to include a few samples of kind of the the feel of the illustration that you're going for I mean that can help an editor catch a vision for what you're hoping to do Um, but yeah I'd say don't hire anybody
0: yeah I would I would agree and the last thing I would say and this is um, we, we do have a, f- a few people who've worked on children's books and it's always, it's always a bit of a, a dance. Um, I would say focus more on the content, even though the, mm-hmm. the word count is so small, often the content is so, so important. Right. If your concept is clear and, and has an obvious appeal, if then focus on the writing, cause getting the, getting fewer hire an words. editor
1: hire an editor yes. instead of an illustrator
0: exactly exactly right because sometimes it only takes a few words to make it sound clunky because there's so mm-hmm. few words in a children's book right. so really take your time to polish and hone that with with an editor or, or, or yourself so mm-hmm. all right our next question is um, and this comes from someone who I think was on their way to a writer's conference what does what does a successful two to three minute pitch look like at a writer's conference how do I maximize my time with a literary agent should i bring business cards and and so on uh what do you think
1: um i think uh first of all i as hard as it might be try not to be nervous literary agents are people too um and so you know i think it's it's important to try to be your authentic self as much as possible it is important to be prepared um and I, I would encourage authors to try to save time um, after their pitch for questions um, and for reactions from the agent or editor. Cause a lot of times at writers conferences, you'll have an opportunity to pitch to editors too. Um, so I think, you know, it's similar to what you would put in a proposal, but way scaled down. So you want to be able to communicate the big idea of your book Um And you want to be able to uh, capture someone's attention. So it needs to be um, what are the, you know, the things that are going to be catchiest about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Crafting an elevator pitch um, for your project. Um, And also I think highlighting briefly why you have the chops to write this book. Um, You know, again, you're going to probably put most of your bio information in the proposal um, or one sheet that you hand to them. But even just a few details about who you are and why you're equipped to to write this book is important. Um, business cards can be helpful, although uh, I don't know that I've ever kept business cards that somebody handed to me. So uh, I don't know how effective those are, especially these days when so much is digital. Yeah.
0: More important might be a a copy of... Your proposal, or even a one-page mm-hmm. pitch sheet of "Here's my yeah. idea," "Here's my contact information." I think you know. I think it's important um, to think about whether it's an editor or an agent. You know, these are people who have a job to do, and this is mm-hmm. you know, this is their livelihood. So they need to get excited about it and and be able to to believe in it enough that that they can either one, if it's an editor, pitch it to their team and really get everybody on board and see the potential for your idea. And I don't want to put more pressure on, but it's important. And then as a literary agent, most of them, um, some of them, work on their own. They're, they're sole proprietors or, um, Mm -hmm. it's a small business. And so there's this, this, if they take somebody on, that's time they could be dedicating to other projects. So they really need to believe in something. So this Mm -hmm. is a business as much as it is a, a, an art and a craft. So take it seriously. And to, to Ingrid's point, I think prepare, you know, know your genre. If it's, it's, if it's fiction, know the category you're writing in, maybe know some of the other books that you're, your book is similar to and then mm-hmm. yeah pitch those those key ideas that um, and think about it this way i think if if a, if a reader is walking into a bookstore and sees your book on the shelf what's going to appeal most to them think about mm-hmm. your target audience mm-hmm. to use marketing speak who who is that end reader and what's going to compel them? And then think about that. I would. I would even use that in your discussion with an agent um, mm-hmm. when you share your story or your book idea or your message, whatever it might be. Um, and and just be simple, professional, conversational. Um, I don't think you need to. I don't think business cards are necessary. Um, these are people too who are just trying to do a job, and every single one of us. I think, um, at least at the beginning, maybe, but I, me to this day, I'm a hopeful reader. I want to hear great new ideas. I take a lot of phone calls and meetings with potential new authors that some of those work out and we end up working together and some we don't, but I, I always go into those meetings. Hopeful. I always go into those phone calls, um, hopeful to find another great book that we could work on that I can believe in and get excited about and, and share with all the friends of ours in publishing that we know. Um, so I think, I think you know, share your passion. Don't hold back. Let them, let them know what it is and then be professional, respectful, humble. And, uh, you know, hopefully you will find the right person. And sometimes when somebody says no or isn't interested, don't take that personal. That's that's not necessarily them rejecting you. That's just them saying, maybe that's not a category I work in, or that's not the type of book I do very well, or that's or just, just not an ideal. It's
1: not something they're looking for. It's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. okay. I think that's um, that's what happens. This industry is is full of that. This is a, a bit of a numbers game in some ways. So keep at it. Uh,
1: yeah, Go ahead. I would add a, few, a couple more things. I think... Um, you know, most of the time, if you're pitching to agents or editors at a writer's conference in particular, they're taking pitches all day or for a pretty large block of time. So I think it's important to be sensitive to that. They've heard a lot of other ideas or they will hear a lot of ideas. So uh, do whatever you can to stand out within reason. Um, and I think just really um, be sensitive to them and and try to make on- eye contact and listen when they're asking you questions. Um, and also it's important to try to, to target your pitch to each person that you're going to be meeting with. So know what kind of like to, like Alex said, know what kind of books they either represent or publish. So do your research ahead of time on that.
0: Absolutely. Well, we have uh, one more question that we'll deal with today. Um, and it, and it is this, um, how, and this is, this is the fun one that I, I hear more than almost any other. Mm-hmm. How big does my platform need to be to get a book deal? Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of nuances to that question. There's a lot of different variations. I know um, a lot of authors get frustrated by this question. What is a platform? Why do I need one? How big does it need to be to get a book deal? And it's really not... In my view, it's not about the book deal itself. Um and even, you know, even some publishers, they they hear that frustration from authors all the time and that there's a reason for it. Um I don't know, Ingrid, do you want to weigh into this one first?
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, this is a big question and, or concern of authors and and writers. So, um and unfortunately, it it is a little bit subjective. Um and And also, (laughs) no matter the publisher, um, you know, they want author platforms to be as big as possible. Um, and that, a lot of that is because of the changes that have happened in the marketplace in the, in just our world in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, there's so much more content available. Um, there's something like a million books are published every year, um, Plus, we have streaming options. We have, you know, TikTok. We have so many mm-hmm. things that consume our time and attention, and so it's harder than it's ever been for publishers to um, garner attention for a new book release. So that's why platform has become hugely important. Um, yeah. I think most traditional publishers are probably not going to consider an author. Um, unless they have um, and again, I, I hesitate to put numbers on it, but you know, if you don't have at least uh, 40 to 50,000 followers on social media or you don't have um, an email list of, you know, 10,000 or more, um, it's gonna be really hard to get your book published at a traditional publisher unless it's like just the most amazing thing that an editor has ever read in their life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I think you're right. I mean, there are, um, there's lots of discussions about platform and what it is. And I, I sort of loosely define it as Uh, any way that, uh, and and, and I'm looking at it as it concerns authors and publishing. So Mm -hmm. any way that an author is reaching an audience. So it could be, shoot, I mean, it could be a podcast like this. It could be social media. It could be you own a big company and you reach a lot of people through that, or um, you have a radio show or a TV show or a big church, or there's so many ways a platform can can take shape. So, but basically, shoot.
1: sorry, I'm just going to no, interject go really quick. So each of those people that are following you are a potential book buyer. Right. Um, that's how a publisher sees it.
0: Right. And so, yeah, it's interesting. And, and a lot of people um, – you know, are, are a little mystified about how to go about building one. I would just say find a topic or a story or something that you're creating and start putting content out into the world and see if you can develop an audience. It used to be that blogs were a big a big form of platform, and a lot of publishers I know sign a lot of bloggers. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when that was, maybe ten years ago when that was huge, and now they're signing a lot of other different types of things. Um, I wouldn't think of platform as a way to get a book deal. I would think of platform as, as a way to, to, to share your content, your craft, your writing, your ideas, your stories with people who are interested in that, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And there are readers out there for the book that you want to write. Um, so if you think of it that way and you think about your writing, and I hesitate to say this because it's a little cringy, but if you think about your writing as a business, um, in addition to it being an art and a craft, um, then you can kind of treat it in that way and and know that when you're building an email list and you're putting out content on a website or a blog or a podcast or whatever, you're doing it really to serve the bigger picture of the, the writing you're doing and the content you're creating and you're sharing value with people and um, so I don't think of it in terms of getting a book deal. I think of it more in terms of reaching readers. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, Ingrid's exactly right. Like a lot of publishers do see platform is almost a prerequisite to getting to moving a book forward in their process and signing a contract. Um, and that's solely because it's really hard to reach people right now. Uh, I think in the past... When publishers were the only way to get a book published, like traditional publishers, and there were certain brick-and-mortar bookstores that people would go buy their books at, and that was it. Mm -hmm. Um, And there wasn't social media and all this noise out there. It was a very different world. But platform now has become important because there's so much competition for attention. Um, But I would say this too – uh, there are many people out there who who are getting book deals and have gotten them without a platform. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've talked about like this three-legged stool, and this is not uncommon in publishing circles. You kind of need a few things to to really do a book well. You need some sort of platform, a big book concept that's sellable, or a story idea that's commercial in some way, and fantastic writing. And ideally, you have all three of those. But you know, if you have two of those. Um, I think you're going to be in a really good place to set yourself up to to publish well. Um, so it's it's something that uh, is debated hotly. There is no right or wrong way. There's no perfect formula. But I have seen people sell books based on fantastic writing, a really, really unbelievable concept That's just you put a title on the thing and you're like, that's going to sell. People are going to need that book, especially if we can back it up with great content. And sometimes that happens with zero author awareness, zero platform. Uh, it's not as common as it used to be, but it does happen.
1: I think the other thing I would add is that, um, you know, I would encourage all of you aspiring writers not to be in a huge hurry. Take your time, um, focus on your writing, but also focus on building a following and your platform. And, um, you know, I, th- I think it can be... Um, it's it's easy to get caught up in the goal of publishing a book um, and kind of see that as the ultimate goal. And, you know, like you're going to be totally happy if you can get your book published. And so you drive, drive, drive toward that goal. Um, and really being a writer, being an author is a long game. It's not a sprint, it's mm-hmm. a marathon. And so um, it's really critical, I think, not to, to see it or not to be in a hurry, I guess. So,
0: Yeah. Take yeah, your time. really, <laughs> take your time. There's no reason to rush it. Mm-mm. Once your book is out there in the world, it'll be out there for hopefully a very long time. So you, take your time at every step, whether that's building a platform, writing your manuscript. I think that about wraps up our questions, our Q&A, Ingrid. Um, so that, and that wraps up season one of On Publishing.
1: Awesome. Thank you all for listening.
0: <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for uh, for taking a minute to listen to this episode, listening to other episodes. If you uh, if you want to reach us or, or find out more about who we are, go to thebinderyagency.com. Uh, that's our home sign online.
1: Sign up for our yeah. newsletter.
0: Sign up for our newsletter. You can get a, a free book proposal template on our website if you sign up for our newsletter. And uh, if you would, do us a favor – like review subscribe to this podcast we do plan to bring future episodes to you down the road but it has been a pleasure thanks for letting us nerd out about book publishing for the last couple months and just talk about things that we enjoy talking about um we look forward to doing it again soon
1: thanks for listening to today's episode of on publishing if you loved what you heard don't forget to subscribe and post a review
0: This episode was edited by Joey Howell, and the music was provided by Not The King. And remember, until next time, one book can change everything.